Serbia's attack was suicidal. Max Verstappen, you are a race winner. You like my face? You like it? Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid, the F1 podcast that aims to give you as much useful information as possible, unlike Fernando Alonso's race engineer. Uh, this weekend in Canada saw <laughs> Lewis Hamilton bounce back to close the gap to Ferrari's Sebastian Vettel. A Honda engine let down a certain Spaniard once more, and Force India duo ret- uh, returned to their double points finishing ways, despite the controversy around them from the final stages of the race. Uh, I'm your host this week, Tom King, and I'm joined as usual by Chris Evans. Hello. Sorry, I was just drinking my beer. <laughs> <laughs> and Stuart Greenwood. Hello. Sorry, I was just drinking my Coke. <laughs> is that is that how we introduce ourselves now? Yeah, we just say your name, <laughs> say what you're drinking. <laughs> so how are you both, gentlemen? Very good, thank you. Very well, very well, thanks. How are you? Um, I'm good, very good. It was uh, I yeah. spent the entire weekend watching motorsport, so... Yeah, we were just saying the same as you joined the conversation. Me and Stu were just saying how pretty much it's been a motorsport grand weekend this yep. weekend. Yeah. Lots of British touring cars, watched a bit of F4, two Formula E races, F1. Also got a bit of cricket in there as well. A bit of cricket, all yeah. nice. Rally cross as well at hell. Yes. In hell, at hell, yeah. at hell. Um. <laughs> at hell's definitely better than in hell. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, we are here to talk the Formula One. So yeah, this weekend saw Mr. Hamilton take a double, pole and victory. Um, and his pole on Saturday saw him tie Ayrton Senna's 65-pole record, um, which leaves him three away from Michael Schumacher's overall record of 68. Quite possible for him to break that this season, wouldn't you think? Yeah, almost certain, in yeah. fact, I'd say. I'd mm. say so, for sure. Hopefully. I thought it was quite a nice gesture when the Senna family presented him with the uh, one of the original Senna helmets um, yeah. upon him doing that. I thought Although, that was a really nice gesture. They made a bit of a shambles of it, didn't they? <laughs> it was old yeah. um, Will Buxton came out and presented it to him and said, they're giving you a uh, actual race-worn helmet. It's and it not. later turned out that, A, the one they gave him was a replica and they're going to give him the real one later. And the one he's getting isn't race-worn, it was just like... A promo thing he wore for certain stuff, but never in a race. Yeah, but yeah. still a nice gesture. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Will. It's it's, it's more um, Ayrton Senna helmet than I'll ever have, probably. That's very true. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I can draw you a picture so. of one if you want. Uh, yeah, that'd be appreciated. It can go on my wall with my Jensen button flag. Yeah, and maybe go my... with your new Facebook avatar as well. Oh, I don't know. I could I can't <laughs> dispose Chris's avatar in his excellent drawing of me in a Formula One car. <laughs> Thanks someone, for that, by the someone way, Someone said it looks a bit like you're in a, a race car bed. A race car- <laughs> oh, yeah, those race car beds you used to get when you were a kid. It sort of looks like you're lying down. <laughs> yeah, it does a little bit. Someone compared to me to a cartoon character from the 70s. I forgot his name now. <laughs> it was on Facebook, but that's that's for another time. Um, but, yeah, Hamilton was pretty dominant this week. Could you see anyone beating him at any point through the weekend? Uh, there I mean, was a there's a little state, final practice that looked a little bit shaky. I thought like, um, Raikkonen and, and Vettel were a little bit quicker, weren't they, in final practice? But um, yeah, that was the yeah. only time I thought really. I mean, for the first ten laps, you were hoping Verstappen would have been fighting him as well, but that didn't quite come off. No. Once he was in front after turn one, though, it was always going to be him, wasn't it? Yeah. I think so. There was the there was the moment where Verstappen's amazing start, leaping from fifth to second, kind of made you hopeful. Um, yeah, but I think if he was going to be racing anyone through the race, it would have probably been Bottas. I think. Um, yeah, and even still, I think Bottas would have probably started to disappear from him um, yeah. as well. So. Yeah. But, but Bottas couldn't really hold a candle to him, could he? In the end, he got pole win fastest lap and led every lap so yeah grand slam as that was dominant as it gets as predicted by me last yeah all right we'll get there all right we'll get to predictions i know it's been a good week for you Stu, for the first time this season (laughs) we'll get there eventually hold hold on to that hold on to that um yeah so just touching on verstappen's start that we mentioned there do you think it was a good start because there's obviously been some criticism with the way that he clipped a vettel on his way through causing the damage but i think that's just nature of a, a tight first corner is it not he he could have left him more space i think mm-hmm. i think to be honest i think after the launch he got it was like 
I'm just going all the way here. So when he got yeah. to turn one, he was going into turn one. Yeah. Um, yeah, he definitely could have given him more space, but I think it's probably one of those things, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with that. I thought Vettel braked a little bit early compared to some of the other cars as well. He looked cautious, didn't, really, didn't he? Yeah, it didn't really help mm. his cause. Like, he left re- really there was nowhere else for Verstappen to go. Well, so. he'd, he'd had a bit of a bad start in general, anyway. I think Vettel hadn't he? Yeah, it wasn't he'd, great. he'd been swallowed up by Bottas on one side. He'd got Verstappen flying around him on the other side. His teammate right behind him. So. I think he was just sort of feeling a bit of pressure and trying to avoid that contact, which unfortunately came anyway because Verstappen had put himself in a position where it was, I'm going to have to stick my foot in here and keep going around the outside in order to, to make this work. So um, I don't blame Max for that. Um, I think it's just one of those things. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, and I think it's a real shame what happened to him later in the race. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <sighs> Is that four retirements he's had so far this season now? I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. It's it's That's many. What, he's yeah. I read an interview with him and he's not a happy boy. He's not having a great time of it this year. Yeah, um, no. I believe he's uh, his his quote today is F one season completely crap so far. <laughs> well, there we go then. <laughs> That's what he said. That's genuine quote. I'm not joking. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I mean, it's pretty accurate. He's not had a great time of it, has he? The I think the thing that's probably worse for him as well is that. He's getting himself into these good potential race positions like on Sunday and these things are then going wrong and unfortunately Ricardo is just picking up the pieces almost because yeah. in, in a lot of respects, Max has been better than Danny so far this season other than the fact the car's not holding out for him. But I think there's a lot of places where Max really would have been finishing better off than Danny if it, and Danny's picking up podiums as well whereas I think that third was maybe Max's this weekend to have if it wasn't for the battery fault yeah maybe yeah. even second I mean he was holding off Bottas mm. pretty well yeah in the early stages to give you the uh, the official uh, statistics on Verstappen's race finishes this season he's had three DNFs now um, one in Bahrain one in Spain obviously and the other one in Canada and um, his highest finish is Third in China, and oh yeah, of course. Every, and every other race he's finished, he's finished fifth. So if he's yeah. finishing, he's pretty consistently in the points. But yeah, well that's it. A third from from seven races now. Uh, what a third, three fifths, and then the rest of retirements. You know, is he should be up there. I think pushing. I think he's he's basically he's in that position that Danny's also been in of. Anything that goes wrong between the Mercedes and the Ferraris, they want to be there to yeah. just hoover it up and take yeah, the best yeah. that they can. And they haven't so. been. The, nearly oh, every race bar two so far this season, there has been a Red Bull retirement. Yeah. It's not It's not good enough, is it, really, for them? It's a weird one, though, isn't it? Because it's as far as I'm aware, it's all been engine units. Yeah, stuff, I think Realistically, it and it's in a way... But, I don't know the official standpoint of it being a tag cure engine. I don't know if they get given something from Renault and then mess around with it. I don't know, is that maybe what's happening and they're causing themselves problems by messing around with it? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think there's still Renault people there, but... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the 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 finishing record at Renault themselves isn't amazing either. True. Um, Hulkenberg's had three retirements and Palmer according to this hasn't finished the race in the points yet no he's still not got a point no he won't have no very close this weekend but yeah oh sorry Hulkenberg won retirement sorry and um, the other two and two other races he finished outside that was the gearbox last race as well yeah, it, he had it. Or was it? it, it I can't remember exactly what it was. Hydraulics, mm-hmm. oil, yeah. or gearbox, something of that nature. Because um, he went out really early at Monaco, didn't he? So yeah, um, yeah. And all, all this chat, and we've not even made it to turn three yet. <laughs> <laughs> Much like one Carlos Sainz and friends. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that was a bit crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. it was. So, Carlos. He's been on Twitter today. He said, um, "Apologies to Roman Grosjean, and as a consequence, Felipe Massa. Roman was simply my blind spot, and I never got to see him. Glad we're all okay." Um, 
and in, in the beauty of Twitter, uh, the very first reply is, you drove like shit, Carlos. Oh! <laughs> Which is savage. nice. Yeah, <laughs> savage, savage, savage. Twitter, um, such, such haters, aren't they? I, yeah. I don't know about blind spot. He did really aggressively move across, though, if you look Twice at it at full as well. speed. Yeah. And... The thing that I think is, he initially moved across, which kind of put Grosjean out on the grass a little bit, and then he went to move again, and I I don't know if maybe he didn't look properly, or maybe at that point he was in his blind spot, but the second move was like, oh, he, he seems to have dropped back from the first one, I'm going to yeah. stick myself across, yeah. and Grosjean had not backed out anywhere near what he thought is, I think, what's happened, because we know that science is generally speaking, a talented driver, and it's, he's yeah. not one for making mistakes like that all that often, but... Um, Here we are. I th- he's, he's only got himself to blame, hasn't he, really? For yeah. Ruining his own race, ruining Felipe Massa's race, and possibly costing Grosjean. Even though Grosjean did get something out of it by the end of the day, I think that um, it's kind of all science, really, on that one, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. You know, they were lucky. To, that could have been a lot, lot worse, that the way they it went could. In backwards into the basically into the pack. So, I think. Yeah. A, a three-place penalty seems right to me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a malicious thing. It was. It was a, a avoidable racing incident, I'd say. Yeah, it's it, it's a consequence of it being quite tightly packed because it's it's the first few corners yeah. of the Grand Prix, but there was a plenty of opportunity for him to have avoided it, but. As has just been said by Stu, he, he is lucky that he didn't collect anybody other than Massa because you saw him fly across the nose of Alonso and um, there was a team radio message from Alonso saying, what is going on here? These guys need to calm down. <laughs> like it's, it's just the start of the race. Like Hold your horses and calm yeah, down. Yeah, 70 <laughs> laps to sort it out. and the, uh, Yeah, it's just yeah. A- amateur hour. Yeah. Um, as a consequence, though, there is the three-place grid penalty at Baku, which, as you say, is probably fair. Um, so, see how he how he qualifies and deals with that overall, I suppose. Yep. What do we think about the the altered Ferrari strategy that that they went for with Vettel after his damage? Because obviously they had to bring him in very early for the damage to the nose caused by Max in turn one. Um, but then the strategy was to go as long as they could on the super softs from what we could tell, but they found that they were losing grip and had to go to the ultras for the final stint of the race, but I think all three of us believe that they should have brought him in for that change to ultras at least five five laps or so earlier than they did, and he would have possibly been pushing Danny Rick for third, I think, if they'd have done that. Yeah, yeah I definitely. I mean, most people one-stopped anyway. Um mm. And the ultras were doing like a crazy number of laps, so he could easily yeah. have come in much sooner. Um, I'm just trying to look at the actual stint lengths. There's a really interesting stint length on um, Super Soft for in a moment, which I'll tell you about. Um, Hamilton went for a long, long time on on his ultra softs, didn't he? Hamilton went about lap 35, 32. He did. Oh, not far off. I knew it was quite a while. Ocon did 32 as well. Yeah, Alonso did an incredible number, 40-something, I want to say. Something like that, I think, yeah. Let's find him. On his ultras. He did, yeah, 42 on ultras. Yeah. So the life was there. He could easily have come in, like you say, at least five laps sooner. The thing is, we all, we all three of us spotted it while we were discussing it during the race, which was the fact that he was catching up to those Force Indias... He he already knew that his tyres weren't going to last to the end. And the, the solution to the problem was get him out of the traffic of the Force Indias while their tyres were still in a good condition. Yeah. Get him on some ultrasofts, into some space, bang in some quick lap times, catch them back up and be on top of them with fresher and grippier tyres and then just, just walk through them, which he could have done. And I know they came back to him and said... If we bring you in now, you're going to have eight laps to catch up to the Force Indies and take them and Daniel in third. 
and they were pretty much spot on with it that guess. Six or seven, didn't it? Yeah, so, so they were fairly close. So it shows that the strategy that they went for worked. But I just think, imagine if they'd have brought him in four or five laps earlier, he probably would have had that podium and, and stopped that deficit to Hamilton in the race being it, um, as bad as it was. It, it could have lessened the, the blowing yeah. points that he's lost to Hamilton this weekend. Yeah. It feels like Ferrari of the last couple of seasons, like last year and the year before, it always seemed to be that everyone watching would see the strategy call and then Ferrari yeah. wouldn't do it. And then like five laps later, they'd do it. Like, well, it's too late now. Yeah. And yeah. this season, they seem to have fixed that. The first few races this year, they were just nailing the strategy and actually outsmarting Mercedes. And yeah, yesterday just seemed like they were kind of back to their old ways with stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, just, just hesitant, mm. so hesitant. Lacking yeah. confidence, wasn't it? That's that's yeah. how it felt to me. And on a, on, a, on a wider point, which we'll get to properly in a little bit, but I wonder if, that, if they had pitted him sooner, maybe that might have forced... Uh, uh, force in, forced Force India's hand a little bit more and made them be a little bit more assertive with Perez. Possibly, yeah. 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 But we'll come on to that. Yeah, we will indeed. We could come on to it now if you like. We could talk that. That is one of the talking points of the weekend. Really, is Force India team orders. Yeah. Were they right? Were they wrong in what they did? Um, to to kind of just briefly sum it up before we go into full-on debate mode, effectively, you had the Force Indias running fourth and fifth, right on the tail of the Danny Ricardo in third. And the whole argument was Sebast- uh, Esteban Ocon saying, uh, I think I'm faster than Sergio and I can take the fight to the Red Bull. Please let me past him and... Let me have a go at third. He had new tyres at that point as well. Yeah, uh, and Sergio Perez's point was: I've been behind him for ages. I've been in his DRS for ages, and if I can't get past him, I don't think he'll have any better chance. We're coming up on some lap traffic. Let me see if I can make a move during all this lap to overtaking, and then just just let us race effectively. If if, he, if Esteban can take me in a racing move, he can have the position. Is what he was trying to say. Yeah. But he, he was ultimately slower, I think, than Esteban. The problem is, though, if you wait and do that, even if it happens, Ocon has then used the best of his new tyres. Yeah. And there's no chance he's going to get past Ricardo. Yeah. I Yeah, I think they made a complete mess of that, to be honest. It, it seemed to be, I think, I heard someone on Sky say much the same thing. The whole situation lacked a voice of authority. Yeah. Yes. Like, if you look at other teams up and down the grid, like Mercedes, you'd get you'd get Toto on the radio saying, mm-hmm. this is what we're doing. Or, um, anything else, like even at Williams, you'd get probably Paddy Lowe these days would sort of <clears throat> lay down the law and no one seemed to be prepared to make that decision. And I guess it's not something forcing you've had to deal with this directly in the past, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. It, the, the thing is, they were being very polite about the way they were asking Perez to move. Yeah. And it was one of those of... Please let him past Sergio, and we will let you have the place back in a few laps if he can't get past Danny Ricardo. And his instant response was just, yeah, but I can't get past him, and I want to try and get past mm. him during this traffic. It wasn't a move out of the way now, this is what we're doing. It's, do you mind if this happens, and then this will be the consequence of this and that. And it was giving him options, and it gave him the ability yeah. to say no to it effectively. Racing yeah. drivers aren't going to respond to that. No, that's you need, not how a racing driver's brain works. Yeah, you need yeah. that firm hand. You need that leadership yeah. to say, "Do this or else." That's but and then, again, every every lap you're debating, you're using up your tires again. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 that Ferrari um, a season ago side of things, isn't it? Let's let's hesitate, not make the call, or yeah. if we do make the call, not quite fully make the call, and cause ourselves problems. Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's impressive that they're scoring double points again, but they definitely turned a potential third and fifth into fifth and sixth. Yeah. Um, I wonder what Perez's contract says for them to be so soft with him. There is that. Mm. I, th- I think they're a bit afraid of losing him at the end of this season. They, they both they both seem to be on level pegging from what I've heard and what I've seen. Mm. But you would expect, just because of 
his seniority in the sport that Perez is generally going to be preferential, sort of yeah. preferential for upgrades, preferential for decisions and, and so on, just because he's been with the team and the sport a long time. Um, but there's no denying that Ocon has talent. And what I really liked about the guy after this weekend, that as much as he was annoyed with the fact that he didn't get the opportunity, He's, as far as I've seen, taking it on the chin. And in every interview I've seen, his genuine response has just been, look, what happened, happened. I know I'm good enough to get a podium. I'm, I'm going to do my best to get a podium by the end of the season and my time will come. Yeah, and, I really like that. And I really like that attitude in him, not being downbeat, not having the face on like some drivers would do, not complaining. And sure, there might be a debrief meeting that, nobody except the Force India team are privy to where it's all aired out and, you know, arguments occur. But in that scenario, he's very, very level-headed and diplomatic about what he said to every member of the press that I've seen him speak to. He he really, really showed what he could do in this race. And I think it would have been so easy for him to come out and just be effing and jeffing the whole time, which would have undone Mm. all the work he did in the race. But he didn't do that. He was very diplomatic, as you say. And... I think people are sort of, yeah, people are definitely paying attention to him. He's a yeah talented young guy. Yeah, he he made a better case for himself than Perez did, I'd say. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Pe- Perez had the air of, um, well, I was in the better position and I had the better chance, so I did what I had to do to get my chance and yeah. my points. I think in in Perez, just in Perez's defence though, he came fourth in Barcelona, Perez. He was true. Yeah, you know, it was really, really close to a podium. So, probably going through his mind is, well, I was this close to a podium in Barcelona. If anything mm. happens, to, we've already had one Red Bull retire from mechanical failure. It's true. There's only one yeah. more Red Bull ahead of me. If he retires, I want to be in the right place because you can guarantee, if they let Ocon through and then something happens to that Red Bull, Ocon's not giving him that place back. Yeah. It's very true. It's if you can see a podium position in front of you. you are you really going to give that up? Yeah, I know mm. I wouldn't. I know for sure if it was me, I definitely wouldn't. I Yeah, I, I've got to admit, if, if I was in a driving, uh, racing driver's shoes and told, let your teammate through for this reason, I, I know full well that I'd have the immediate reaction of, look, if he can overtake me... I won't fight him, fight him like I would somebody yeah. else. Uh, but mm. he's going to have to put himself in a position to overtake me. I think the only questionable moment was that Ocon kind of did that to Sergio. He'd said, Sergio had said, if he wants to overtake me, he can overtake me, but I'm not like just going to give up. And there was a point where Ocon, coming down the back straight into the final chicane, put himself in a really good position to overtake. And Perez did kind of cut him off a bit. And, yeah, he weaved and, him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, weaved him. And I think that was maybe the point where the world kind of got a bit annoyed at Sergio for what he was doing because mm. he'd, he'd openly said, if he can take me, I'll let him. And then in that scenario where he could have taken him, he kind of cut him off. And... It was a very um, it was a hard defence. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. If, if he was that much quicker, it would have got past him a lot easier. Yeah. True. But then again, that's easier said than done when it's identical cars, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a long old straight though, big, big long old yeah. straight, and that that final corner is a traction corner. It's not an aero corner, so true. You know, if he was later on the brakes, and if he'd uh, if he managed to get himself a bit closer under braking, then probably would have been looking at. They probably would. I mean, I think it's as much Ocon's fault for not being quick enough as it is Perez's fault for not mm. letting him through. Well, Force India have said that on the back of it, they're possibly going to review their rules of engagement over all this, but. What what is our individual opinions then overall is do we think they should have made Perez move because it sounds to me like Stu you don't think they should. Well, I think uh, it as a team then it was their job if they if they could see a podium then it's their job to make Perez move mm. um, and give themselves that podium. But from a drive as a drive if I were a driver I wouldn't want to move so. As a as a fan, you kind of want to see racing. You don't want to see people going just going through and yeah. being let through. So I think as a as a spectacle, I think we got the better, the, the more exciting. Because I'm not sure he would have got past the Red Bull. I, I can't. I yeah. 
I would have preferred to see him try. I think the chance of Ocon getting on the podium would have been more exciting than watching him struggle behind the sister car. I I think under the circumstances that there were, I don't blame Perez for not letting him by. I think it's a fault of Force India that they didn't have someone to make a definitive decision and tell them what is happening. Like No one ever said, this is what is happening. It was all very, oh, it'd be nice and this <laughs> could make... Like, that's, no one's going to pay attention to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely think Ocon would have had a better go at passing Ricardo than Perez did at that point. Yeah. Perez never looked like getting close enough. Mm. Yeah. I, I think, unfortunately, to, to leave it completely a hung decision, <laughs> I'm I'm in the middle of you both where <laughs> I sort of think that they should have said to it, Ocon, if you can get past him on track, he's not going to fight you. And then Perez shouldn't have been chopping in front of him the way he did in defence should have been a little less aggressive on the defence and I think that that middle ground of Ocon genuinely being able to get past him but just Perez not putting up too much of a fight to then go ahead and go for Daniel if he wanted to I think that's where we should have been the sort of a middle ground not just a clean he's faster let him through yeah. but not not as strict as nope race each other that's it you gotta you know I, I think it should be somewhere in the middle yeah so. I think maybe maybe the team's sort of indecision stopped Ocon from pushing quite as hard for the overtake as what he could have as well. Possibly. Because yeah. he probably was trying to save his tyres a little bit so that if he did let get through, get let yeah, through, true. then it would have been yeah. it would have had the best tyres for the job once he did get to Ricardo. Plus yeah. if you're having an argument, your brain's not going to be completely on driving, is it? No. There is that as well. <laughs> there is that. Um speaking of arguments. There could be some about to brew with McLaren and Honda. Yeah. Um, Alonso ran in the race, uh, sorry, in the points for most of the race. Um, and with two laps to go, the Honda gave up as it does. And there are a lot of talks now of an imminent divorce from Honda by McLaren. Yes. Um, there's been a lot of talk in terms of we have options B and options C. Plan B is assumably the um, Mercedes engine, and Plan C is speculated to be the Renault engine. Obviously, the Mercedes is always going to be preferential yeah. there. But yeah, the, we've talked about this deadline passing for being able to submit engines, but I'm I'm fairly confident that if McLaren put this forward to the FIA or whoever it is they need to put it to and say we we'd like to change engines for these reasons. I know it's supposed to pass the teams, but you'd you'd generally expect that you would it'd think work. so. Sauber definitely vote yes because that makes them a factory team effectively. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> might even yeah. get a rebrand if that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Sauber Honda um, that's got a bit of a ring to it, hasn't it? Um, and honestly, I- if it's whoever's engine they get the factory team is going to say yes to that. They'll make all the customer teams say yes to it as well. So yeah, mm. yeah. I think the notion of McLaren uh, Plan C put sticking a Renault in the back of it. I think that's I think that's a terrible idea. That's out of the out of the frying pan into the fire. Could be. Yeah, I mean it's better, but it's not not that it's not much ideal. better. No, I think the thing is, I think if if for whatever reason the Mercedes can't be done for them to move to that, they would possibly stick with stick with Honda and stick with what they've got. Possibly, but yeah. I, I, th- I think that the talks maybe need to start happening to really, really now put Honda under the pressure to sort it out. Did they say when the new engine would be here? They expected Baku. They were, they've been told that it obviously it was supposed to be Canada, but they should at least be getting some form of upgrade for Baku. Whether that happens in two weeks is a different story. Yeah, they they really need a strong engine for Baku. They're going to yeah. be in a lot of trouble. Those long straights. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, obviously, they've been sort of being fairly generous to Honda all season in terms of saying, you know, we're working this together. Uh, after this race, Eric Boulier said, um, for the first time this season, running in 10th place within spitting distance of the flag, we dared to hope. Okay, what we were hoping for were hardly rich pickings, a solitary point for Fernando. 
um, who'd driven superbly all afternoon as he's driven two and a half years, blah, blah, blah. Um, but after so much toil and heartache, even that single point would have felt like a victory and then came yet another gut-wrenching failure. It's like Shakespeare. Yeah. Uh, it's difficult to find. Yeah, it's difficult to find the right words to express our disappointment, our frustration, and yes, our sadness. So I'll say only this: it's simply and absolutely not good enough. Wow, I mean that I is think... damning words. That that's, yeah, that's no weird. That's no oh, we believe in them and we'll work together to find a solution. That is, that's an ultimatum. Is what that is. Yeah, yeah. and it's. It's getting ridiculous now, in my opinion, that one of the most successful teams in Formula One's history, a team that should be coming into each season with the hopes of challenging for a title, are coming into this season with the hopes that they might just about finish in the point if enough people in front of them drop out. And then to be literally ready to celebrate a solitary point for 10th place for it to be given up. On in with two laps to go because a Honda engine goes poof again. It's sad, it's, isn't it? It is getting beyond a joke. I, I'm I, I'm amazed that it's taken this long. It's yeah. three years now. This is the third season. Yeah, and it's, it's as bad as it was in the first. Yeah, um, it's like they'd be better with the Cosworth in the back of it at the minute. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's <laughs> like they could put anything in the back, and it'd probably be better than that Honda at the minute. It's Alonso's third internal combustion engine of the season. We mean his next one will be the last he can take for the rest of the season before he gets penalties. Uh, if it damages the MGUH, which is already his fifth, then they'll have penalties. Um, yeah, he's he's going to have penalties if not next race, probably the race after. And and this is the ultimate problem where even if these upgrades turn up, uh, Baku or anywhere in this European season, it doesn't really matter. No matter where they turn up, he's going to be in a position where he's used that many engine parts that he's going to start getting penalties. So they could have a really good engine towards the end of the season, but he's going to be starting from the pit lane or or 20th on the grid, and he's still going to be struggling to get in the points because even if he has got a good engine, he's starting at the back. (laughs) Yeah, you won't be able to capitalise on it. Yeah. I still think these engine rules with the penalties need looking at because it's Mm. just not good for the spectacle like, there is a lot of talk of obviously the engine formula changing again just because it's as technologically advanced as it is the engines are complicated and they're not cheap they are expensive engines yeah. um and part of the energy saving was potentially to be cost cutting but it's kind of having an adverse effect because the technolo- technology is advanced and it's costing more in components to, to keep the engines running week to week, especially for someone such as a McLaren who's having failures left, right and centre. Yeah, but if if they distributed the cash properly, then it wouldn't be a problem, would it? That's true. Well, yeah, back to that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, if we want to... I mean, they mentioned it. I think um, Crofty mentioned it during practice as well. They were talking about it. And yeah. a lot of people were tweeting into him and agreeing with him and the sentiment was the same as as we've mentioned before why should ferrari get all that money when you've got yeah. other str- other teams struggling yeah i'll say this though so the the current engine rules are that if a team is ever left without an engine the manufacturer that's supplying the least teams have to supply them one so that would be ferrari well it, at the oh. moment it would be honda Oh, right, sorry, yes. Sorry, I see what you mean. So, with that in mind, when's the last time you heard Red Bull complain about their engines? Uh, (laughs) Since since Honda was the minority. Honda's existence has done an awful lot for teams' relationships with their engine manufacturers because they know if they drop them, they're getting a Honda in the back of their car. Sorry, yeah, I I was thinking more the other way where if Honda is suddenly dropping out McLaren's next port of call would then be a Ferrari wouldn't it because there's only two cars running a Ferrari uh, there will be next season currently there's three but next season it will only be two oh, because sorry, yes. Toro Rosso is moving to Renault aren't they Yeah. the craziest part about that rule as well is uh, if two manufacturers are supplying the same number of teams and neither agree to supply an engine they literally draw names out of a hat to see what engine they get <laughs> Yeah, I find which that is hilarious, hilarious. Yeah. Um, that is good what I want to know is what made McLaren think that the hot, that the new relationship with Honda was going to be so successful in the first place. When you look back at Honda's record over the last... I mean, yeah, fair enough, they had a great time with them 20 years ago. But yeah. ever since then, 
VAR, they had one, they had one win with uh, with Button, I think, in uh, Hungary. Yeah. Um, and then there was after that the whole Honda years, where they did really nothing. There was a horrible yep. Earth Dream car that they had, which was just not good. Um, and you know their their recent uh, record in Formula One is, is terrible. So what I mean, made them think great... going to be any better? They have a good record in lots of other categories, making other kinds of engines, but. I think it's also partly there's a nostalgia element. I think Honda have gone into them with, we want to be part of this era. This this era, you know, interests us. We want to build an engine that's good in this era. We have all this renewable technology that we're putting into road cars. We we've got the technology to be able to build an engine for this, and gone in with that kind of pitch to McLaren. The nostalgia vote's gone. Right, we've struggled the last few years, even with the Mercedes engine. Let's let's do it, Let, let's go for this Honda deal, there's nostalgia and then the fact that Honda have, I'm, I'm guessing, sold them this huge pipe dream Yeah. Um, and it's just it's just not coming off, like whether whether it's beyond what Honda thought it was technologically or something, I, I don't, I really don't know what the problem is at Honda but I'm still on the viewpoint that having an engine factory in Japan and a team building a car in working is probably mm. not the best way to go it's about building a, a car. Terrible idea, yeah. Absolutely. You've got to, th- you got to think as well. Like the top brass at Honda must be thinking, what are we getting out of this? Because at the moment yeah. they're spending all this time and money building engines to have what many consider the best racing driver in the world complain about them every other weekend. Yep. Yeah. That's it. That's what they're getting out of this. Like that's. God, I wonder how long they're going to keep doing it. It can't be doing much for car sales, can it? No. No. Even though, ironically, the, f- f- Honda motor cars are some of the best, most reliable cars you can get. Yeah. The, the, the Civics with over 200,000 miles on the clock going <sighs> it's around. And, bizarre. And they, yet they can't make a reliable Formula 1 engine. It just show, It's just... It, it breaks my heart. <laughs> it's killing yeah. me, this. Like... I'm sick of seeing that McLaren go around the track without enough power and break and then breaking. Yeah. <laughs> it's rubbish. I'm gonna say if it was if it was one or the other, you'd be maybe slightly more forgiving. As in, if they had the power but were maybe struggling with the reliability, so that they were up there fighting and they were coming home with points, you know to some extent every week every race weekend and then it was more that you know it was letting go every so often a little bit like for example the Renault that's in the back of the Red Bull mm-hmm. you'd you'd be a lot more accepting of that and vice versa well maybe not so much vice versa but if it was an underpowered engine but it was at least reliable which gave them the opportunity to get up towards the points and then sort of have a scrap for 10th 9th 8th a la sort of uh Sauber and and Renault factory team and stuff like that. You'd again maybe you'd think it's not as bad as what it is at the minute. But at the minute they've got the the worst of both sides. It's not fast enough to get anywhere. And then when they do look into some points somehow, it it blows up. Yeah, I think I think the phrase you're looking for, Tom, is to finish tenth. First, you have to finish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. To butcher a phrase. <laughs> uh, should we stop ranting about Honda's engine? Yeah, I think that's yeah a let's, place let's to move on. Cut off the Honda rant. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, driver of the day, chaps. Who do you think we're going to give it to for this weekend? Um, well, the official one was Vettel. Um, mm. He was a good comeback drive from the back to finish fourth. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. My personal shout would be Ocon. I thought Mine he also. was. I thought he was brilliant. He was. In the mix, the whole race kept his nose clean. Lot of smart driving, some good moves. Yeah, I was super impressed with him yesterday. Yeah, uh, mine, I, 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 mine definitely wasn't Vettel because he didn't have a great start. And I don't. Drive of the day for me is about an all-round great drive on the day. Yeah, and Vettel just wasn't that. I'm afraid. Even though he did yeah. overtake, he did a lot of overtaking and move forward. But still, you need to have a. Great it's in a start. superior car, though, isn't it? Yeah, not, you know, and, you know who else did a lot of overtaking though. Who? Only Blant Stroll. <laughs> he was overtaking people left, right, and centre. Yeah. There was some 
close ones. It was there was lots of very late moves and darting across the track, but I I think that he as as much stick as he's had so far this season, I think he's at least a slight candidate because he's gone from seventeenth on the grid to ninth finish. Yep, his and first points. It's his first points. He's pulled off a fairly decent drive, like you say, some. Some hairy moments, but overall a clean race from him. Yeah. And I hope that that is something that boosts his confidence a little, Definitely. gets that huge monkey off his back. Of I'm, you know, he he got past the thing of DNF, DNF, DNF. He's then finished the last few races and come close to points, and now he's finally broken that hurdle and got some points. So. Hopefully it'll and, just calm um, him down a little and settle him down where he can start driving that car at its proper potential rather than driving it with nerves is what I think his problem has been. Makes you wonder where Massa would have finished. Yeah, yeah it does actually. <clears throat> and all for Stroll under the pressure of it being his home race as well. That yeah. sort of yeah. could easily have got to him and riled him. That's possibly what's done it for him. It, you know, that, that kind of thing, they always say that your home race is like, worth at least half a second on the track yeah because you 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 push just that little bit more that you you can't place it on anything other than it's your home race and they always like i think it was mantle who was one of the first people that said it but it, it is fairly true that you see or at least a track that somebody enjoys like hamilton enjoying canada yeah. has surely gone towards his dominance of the weekend because he's notorious for what is it now six pulls and six wins or something yeah. for him so it's a it's a bit of a stomping ground as we've said before. Fun um, stat for you. Um mm-hmm. he is now the only Canadian driver to score points in Formula One whose surname isn't Villeneuve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, I was sorry, waiting he's for that own, one to come out. He's the only one who's scored and isn't a Villeneuve. The only Canadian to score points, yeah, that isn't called Villeneuve. Wow. I knew he was the first person to score points since Jack Villeneuve. Yep, only Jack and Gilles have Scored points wow, as Canadian I did not drivers. Know that. There's been a few other Canadians, but no one's ever scored points. Did not know that. So uh, my driver of the day, I'm going to be controversial. Ooh, go. Um, I'm going to say Daniel Ricciardo because yeah. he so- soaked up all that pressure from from Perez yep. for a long, long time during the race. Uh, kept his nose clean and then managed to pull away once Ferrari started uh, to race them and to bring it home third. It's not a bad yeah. show. And he it got was, Sir was... Patrick Stewart to drink champagne out of his boot on the podium, that. so that's Did worth you... points. And that. um, just a little uh, shout-out for Patrick Stewart. There. That man handed me my degree. Oh, oh yeah, of course. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that happened. That's Did you get him to happened. drink from a shoe when he handed <laughs> you that? Uh, I actually made him do it. That's where Daniel Ricciardo got the idea from. <laughs> 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 he was so good on the podium, wasn't he? Yeah, he was great. Like, oh, he was. Where with his like deep booming voice when he was done talking to uh, Bottas, he just like looked across the podium and went Daniel, <laughs> like beckoning <laughs> him over. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, I'm sticking with Ocon though. Having said all of that, I, I think personally I'm gonna throw away the actual voted for driver of the day because I don't think it's worth voting for Vettel in, in the scenario no. for similar reasons as Stu. And I'm also gonna say Ocon. Um, with an with an honourable mention for Lance, just because he, yeah. he he has finally got that monkey off his back, and fingers crossed, it means that he'll be less rubbish for the rest of the season. I thought for yeah. a second there we might be heading for a hung um, <laughs> again. While we're on that, I theme. like how we we're, we're using the word hung in yeah. all these scenarios of voting without directly mentioning anything. <laughs> yeah, well, no idea what you're talking about. No, exactly. <laughs> it's not that kind of show. Who are you going for ultimately, Stewie? Are you saying Danny Rick? Uh, yeah, I'm saying Danny Rick. I'm sticking yeah, with Danny okay. Rick. Nice one. Uh, move of the day. I think there's two main candidates, but you two might be able to add to it. Um, I've personally put forward Vettel's move on the Force Indias. Um, which was definitely the most bold. dramatic move of the day. Yeah, um, and also just Max's insane leap from fifth to second at the start, yeah. uh, the way he was carving through everyone around him, which for a split second I actually thought, has he jumped the start because he was just <laughs> so quick away. That was ridiculous, wasn't it? Like yeah, a rat um, up a drain pipe. <laughs> indeed. Uh, I don't know if you two have any more candidates to add to that. I don't think so. I think if Ocon had made any of those moves on Perez stick, they would have been the one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, it's hard to look past Vettel's move in, on Ocon. Yeah, that was yeah. 
dramatic, if nothing else. I'm going to give Max a majority on that one, I think. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> nice, um, nice choice of words. You're welcome. <laughs> and now for one of our slightly infamous sections. Honestly, what the f*** are we doing here? Candidates, <laughs> gentlemen. <laughs> um, obviously, there's signs um, wiping out Grosjean, which... I don't know, it was messy, but I, I'm still not entirely convinced it was he knew exactly what was happening. Mm. There's Force India having a long old discussion for about mm. ten laps. There's uh, there's the issues for uh, Kvyat, I think, as well, because yeah. you've got this, this whole scenario of... Uh, We'll not go into the details of what was said by the man about certain things, we'll, or at least not the specifics. He had a horrible weekend, but it wasn't helped by the fact that he um, he was given a penalty for what was effectively... He stalled on the grid or he had a clutch problem on the grid, which meant that he had to reclaim his position in the line before the safety car line at the end of the lap, which he didn't do, which meant that by the rules of the sport, he should have started from the pit lane. Um, he instead took his position on the grid, which warranted him a penalty, which is all fair. However, the stewards gave him the wrong penalty, and then to make up for giving him the wrong penalty, they gave him a second penalty, which made up the difference of the first penalty that was missing. And then on top of that, he had issues at a pit stop with wheels that wouldn't go on, and they had to bring another set out. And then there was the whole thing with his engine issues, which ultimately led to him retiring. I think that that guy's weekend was a complete and utter write-off. It was a shambles, wasn't it? If anything, everyone involved in that, probably the stewards took the most flack because they did a terrible job of that whole situation. Well, officially, the penalty for what he did, which was taking his position on the grid when he was out of sync in the formation, is it's a 10-second stop-go. So he should have been down the pit lane, stop for 10 seconds in his box, and then drive away. What they gave him was a drive-through penalty, which obviously negates the 10 seconds stopping part. So then at his next pit stop, they added a 10-second penalty, and they had to stop for 10 seconds because of the fact that that was missing from the original penalty. And it's one of those things where I think that if... If they've done it wrong, unfortunately, they've done it wrong and they need to hold their hands up and say, this penalty was incorrect, we have to let it go because we've given him the penalty we've given him, but for future clarity, the penalty should, in this scenario, be a 10-second stop yeah. go. And they have to hold their hands up and say, we've made a mistake and just let him take what they've given him. Um, I'd also like to nominate whoever um, took the clip of Kvyat... Uh, expressing his opinion on that situation. Yeah, yeah bleeped out, yeah. bleeped out the worst swear word in a way that made it still incredibly <laughs> obvious that it was the worst swear word. So and then went, stupid. "Yeah, yep, that'll do. We'll play that on TV. Yeah, yeah like, live on no, air. Yeah. In fact, I've never heard people on television apologize for the language in a bleeped out recording. No. I know they actually had <laughs> yeah. to apologize for it. It was that obvious what he had said." Yeah, and actually, before we started recording, I was looking for an actual transcript of what he said, and it's gone. They seem to have just yep erased that from like it's not in any of the highlights videos. I can't co- find <laughs> any trace of it. The commissar vanishes. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's very nineteen eighty four. Apt him being Russian as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can I can I throw in a slightly left wing? Sorry, left field um, <laughs> candidate for. Uh, <laughs> For uh, what the f are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Ferrari strategy call for them not to pit Vettel sooner counts. Yeah. Is that? Yeah, it was. It is. We, they we do threw away a podium. Yeah, but in, in our opinion, in our professional opinion, <laughs> all three of us believe that he could have finished third had he pitted five laps earlier. Yeah. That is our our beliefs. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's a candidate. The question is, which are we going to go for as an ultimate decision? <laughs> I, I, I think the stewards, to be honest with you. I think they, the stewards, well, they say the stewards and Toro Rosso and Kvyat balled into one for me. You've swayed me and received my vote, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of a pun for it, and I can't. Um, I think mine has to be. I, I, I know I did go left field with Ferrari. I did throw that one in there, but um, I think that Science into Grosjean on that one, it was just too dangerous. I, I have to. That's that's mine. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, I will very very quickly do a park Fermi just to try and mention anyone we've not mentioned of sorts, but. Um, here it goes. <laughs> um, so for Sauber, Ericsson was 13th. Very anonymous race, um, but a decent drive, despite the, ad- the fact that they had a slow car that was way off the pace. Um, and Verline started from the pits on Super Soft, pitted pretty much straight away for Ultrasofts, and then ran, I believe, another two sets of Ultrasofts through the race because the team thought that doing multiple stops on the Ultra once they'd just been the Supers was the way to go. Obviously, it wasn't. He came <laughs> home 15th. And apparently, from what I've seen, he is not best pleased with that <laughs> strategy decision. Mm. Uh, we've talked about McLaren, other than the fact that Van Dorn was 14th. Um, not really mentioned him, but we've already discussed Alonso. I do have the Alonso radio messages, just to point out if you want <laughs> to hear those. Um, just to show, one, how intelligent a driver he is. Two, how much he's... Um, He's just given up on Honda, and three, just a direct slag off of the Honda engine <laughs> if you want it. Let's have Always. Back in Fernando, this place is good. We're looking at plan A plus five, plan A plus five. You are not giving me useful information. I need the pace of Magnussen. I need uh, other things. I don't think the Prime is a good tyre. Raikkonen is pulling away too slowly. Same as Vettel catching us too slowly. Two two things there that I think are impressive. One, to know that it was Magnussen who was racing because at the time that he said that, he was, um, he had who did he have behind him? He had his teammate behind him, I believe, in Van Dorn and somebody else. Yeah. So Magnussen was two cars and like fifteen seconds down the road. Yet he knew that Magnussen was the only person to have not pitted and be on similar strategy to him. So that was amazing in itself, I think. And then the second bit is the fact that. Again, no matter how far the fact that Raikkonen was down the road or Vettel was behind him, to turn around and say the super softs, I don't think they're going to be a good tyre because I can tell that Raikkonen's not getting away from me very quickly and Vettel's not catching me very quickly on that tyre. Like, just to have that awareness of... I know they may have told him things, but to register it and understand it and come out with questioning comments like that, I think is awesome. Yeah, it's so impressive. All the time while wringing the neck of that car around. Yeah pretty fast circuit mm-hmm. and then just a little bit of a jab at Honda at the end of <laughs> saying embarrassing power in yeah. this mode yeah. I'm sure Alonso will agree that McLaren's coalition with Mercedes can't come soon enough alright <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I couldn't resist <laughs> um, we've talked about Grosjean's performance sort of but the stat i wanted to just bring up for him from a Haas point of view is he had to damp- uh, sorry pit with damage from the collision with sides on the end of lap one um which meant that he went on to super softs on lap two at the start of lap two and did 69 laps on a set of super softs to come home 10th that is damn <laughs> impressive wow yeah he went all the race practically other than that opening lap on a single set of super softs which is amazing i think that is amazing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's super impressive. Um, and then Magnussen was 12th. Um, Palmer, we briefly mentioned him, but he was 11th. Um, he was only a second off 10th, and it's possible that he was hindered a little bit by the fact that they double-stacked Hulkenberg, then him, behind the virtual safety car, which ultimately lost him a few seconds and meant he could have been fighting for that 10th place a little more and maybe even been, a, been ahead. Um if it wasn't for the double stacking, but unfortunately that's just the way it crumbles when you're the second driver of the two on track. Yep. Um, Hulkenberg was eighth, just behind Kimi. Um, Williams, we know Massa was taken out, and we know about Stroll, we've talked about that. Um, Paddy Lowe's just obviously expre- expressed his excitement for the fact that Stroll's finally got off the mark, so um, hopefully he will go on to do more. Yeah, he said he was so excited, he instinctively started walking towards the podium after the race. <laughs> Those that's days are um, over, Paddy. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's more Mercedes instinct, yeah. thing, that, isn't it? 
Toro Rosso, probably weekend to forget. Uh, double DNF, science out, and Kvyat's clutch issues and penalties and engine issues. And yeah, less we say about that, the better. Um, Force Indy, we've talked about. Fifth and sixth in the end for Perez and Ocon, respectively. Um, Red Bull's battery failure again, we've talked about. Um, putting out Max and Ricardo did an early stop and then ran the soft tyre all the way to the end, doing some defensive driving against the Force Indias to hold on to third. Uh, Vettel was fourth with his two-stop, um, ultimately caused by the damage taken on lap one. Kimi was seventh and was suffering break-by-wire issues during the final stint, which meant he was pretty much nursing the car home it's for that scary place final to sector. Scary place to have brake problems, isn't it? There's like yeah. four or five big stops at that circuit. There was a there was a good radio in exchange between them that unfortunately <laughs> I haven't got that clip, but it was along the lines of, Kimmy, you need to set the DSA to 42. And he's going, what did you say? 40, 14, or 42? And he's went, 42. And then he sw- I believe he swore in Finnish, but nobody picked it up. Nice. So if you, are, if you are Finnish and you listen to the show... Please enlighten us on if what he said, which sounded like he was saying 40, but he wasn't. He was, I believe he was saying a swear word in Finnish that I'll not repeat for reasons that if it is a swear word, I don't want to be swearing. <laughs> just, let's just assume Jeff in Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> I also enjoyed at one point, um, I told him to try something and he went, it's not working, it's not what... Oh no, it's working, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then just lastly, Mercedes, a solid weekend all round for Hamilton, um, a track that we generally knew would favour him. Yeah. Um, and then Bottas suffered from a flat spot pretty early on in the race, uh, and that forced him to do the strategy he went with, which was a very long second stint on a set of softs. But although he had a fairly lonely race, he brought it home second and just did what he could under the circumstances. Yeah, so. I'd have really liked to have seen um, him and Verstappen going at each other yeah I think that would have been was shaping up for a while I think that's what we lost out on yeah at the Um, safety car restart we got a little bit of it but uh, yeah didn't last much longer Um, so Stu I know this is the moment you've been waiting for all the way through the show Uh, prediction league a strong and stable performance from me (laughs) this week before we do that I've got a couple more stats that I can throw in go Go on you you throw some stats because we do like stats uh Total overtakes, 36, of which 24 mm. were with DRS, which is no great surprise, I suppose, because the main overtaking point is at the end of the big back straight. Yeah. Or, or into turn one, which are both the Or into turn one, yeah, the other one. Um, I haven't got the stats for last year, but I'm guessing it was Boo. probably less, because that seems to be the pattern. Marginally. <laughs> oh, less this uh, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We only had three safety car laps, which is unusual there. Um do you know how many we had under virtual safety car? Because I guess that counts to a certain extent with it being fairly new. Regular safety car, we had three. Virtual safety car, we had four. Yeah, so still not many. Um, and then final little bit of info for you. Williams had the fastest pit stop yet again. Lance Stroll, 2.17 seconds. Wow. Pretty quick. Wow, that's fast. That's really fast, yeah. Um, Mercedes and Force India were next on the list. Interesting. Thank you for your stats, Chris. Anytime. By which I mean (laughs) when I can find them on a Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) So, shall I hand over to you, Stu? You can have the honours of Uh, going through the prediction results this week, if you like. This is going to be unbearable, isn't it? (laughs) The question will be, is is he more or less unbearable than me? That's the question. (laughs) Um, Probably less. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, predictions. So, um, Chris, you correctly predicted the pole position uh, uh-huh. for Lewis Hamilton, so that's a point. But um, unfortunately, the that's the only point you no got. tells. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tom, you correctly predicted the win for Hamilton, getting yourself a point. Um, you had Bottas for pole, so nil point there. Um, and you were closest, joint closest. Um, on Marcus Ericsson's finish for with your prediction of 14th. Only position out? Yeah, only one position out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, he was obviously was 14th for a while until Alonso went out of the race. Yeah. And it, so uh, I, I was annoyed at first because I thought, that's just lost me a point in predictions, Alonso. I was annoyed because Alonso had gone out, but I was also annoyed because I thought I'd lost a point. Hmm. But then I realised... <laughs> 
as you'll come to, you predicted 15 finishes. Yes, I did. Chris predicted 16. <laughs> so that point immediately shifted from Chris to you, yeah. which made me happier. And then I realised <laughs> I was still closest with the Marcus Ericsson thing on 14th, along with Paul Kelsall. So I got half a point. So it wasn't as bad. No, Chris lost a point. I only lost half a point. Um, so the Dats Life boys, they uh, predicted Vettel for pole. Um, they got one point with, Hamil- with the Hamilton win. And um, as you mentioned, half a point for Marcus Ericsson's 14th. I, I actually messed that up because I said Paul Kelsall on Dats Life. <laughs> Sorry, um, Paul, you didn't get a point there sorry, or a Paul. half point. Um, you did get a point, though, for predicting the correct winner in Lewis Hamilton once more. So, Chris, what were you thinking, mate? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Um, and Ika, sadly, you've come away with no, no points this week. Um, all your predictions were um, inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> no one got the first retirement this time either. No, no, no and one. interestingly, nobody that anyone predicted retired. Oh, no, sorry, they did. No, we, we're Alonso. missing. Paul needs half a point. Actually, yeah, Paul does need half a point. Paul needs half a point. Alonso. It happened that late in the race. We forgot to put it on the board. Oh, quick, quick, make it, make it orange. Quick, I'm gonna make it orange. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna make it happen. I'm gonna add a point five on the end of that. There we go. Yeah. Oh, up to date. Teamwork, teamwork, and I'm just going to sit here. Um, skills. So yes, sorry, Paul, you get half a point, not so, for the Marcus Ericsson position, but for Alonso four. retiring. It and wasn't the first retirement, but you were the only one to get a retirement out of your choice. And now to the person who got the most points this week, which was me. Um, I correctly predicted Hamilton for the pole and Hamilton for the win um, and the number of finishes at 15. Um, and I was very, very close, very close, very close indeed um, to predicting Marcus Harrison's finish on 15th. But sadly, um, I, that didn't work out for me. Um, and I was almost close with Magnussen's retirement as well. I yeah, thought. all right. <laughs> just because that that it was almost a harsh retirement. Uh, granted, it was Grosjean, but it's still a harsh. Um, anyways, okay, yeah, uh, he's more unbearable than you, Tom. <laughs> Yay! A quick, a quick rundown of the points from uh, bottom to top. Um, Ika, you're still on two point five. Paul, uh, you have four point five points from your three last week, last race, I should say. That's life, boys. Gain one and a half points uh, up to five point five from four. I'm on Stu. Me is on. <laughs> <laughs> what? Let's uh, let's try that again. Um, I'm on seven point five points up from four point five. Chris, you're up to ten from nine, and Tom still leads with fourteen points up from twelve point five. There you go. It's getting interesting. It is. It's, it's tightening up. Tightening up as the season yeah. goes on. Yeah. Um, yes, I will post all the results officially on the backofthegrid.com website at some point over the next 24 hours. So all, as you're listening to this, hopefully these will all be added to the website. These are all preliminary results until the official results are posted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that'll be up soon. And obviously I'll just mention that if you do want to join in, remember to tweet us, Facebookers, go on that post on the website and let us know what your predictions are for Baku. Um, in, obviously you don't have to do it right now do it nearer the time we'll be doing a show between now and then at some point uh, usually early in the week before the race but do it while you remember to do it if you are going to do it yeah yeah, and make sure it's before qualifying kicks off and if you've not before have a go get involved and yeah. we've, we're going to have prizes at the end of the season um, yep. not just for people who've got lots of points either we'll work out something for people who've done well that have joined later on so yeah how can the people get in touch with us, guys? They can Twitter us at Back of the Grid F1. Uh, we're on Facebook. Just search Back of the Grid and you'll find us. Uh, we're on Instagram at Back of the Grid. We are backofthegrid.com. You can go on there and read some stuff and leave some comments and things. And I think that's okay. all the places we are. Yeah, that's all of them. And, and you can yeah. listen to us in all the places as well. Yeah. iTunes yeah. and whatever the Android equivalent is. Uh, Podbean, are we on Acast? Yeah, we're on Acast, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, yeah. Podbean, iTunes, lots of places. The <laughs> ultimate place, though, as I've discovered recently, is Overcast. Overcast, Overcast is a very good app. That, that is amazing. 
just Set. on a podcast and no if you are a fan of podcasts and you are not already using Overcast, I highly recommend it. I sounds, also highly recommend it. Sounds like a bit of a sort of grim name though, Overcast. I don't I feel like <laughs> It is a little, but it's an amazing tool because no matter who hosts the podcast, if it's available somewhere, Overcast should realistically be able to find it. It just kind of scours through all the major podcast providers. So you just have to type back of the grid into Overcast. If you're somehow listening to this through somebody else or, I don't know, just through the miracles of the world, (laughs) then get Overcast for your phone, type in back of the grid, and you will find us and you can listen to us. And you'll get updates every time there's a new episode. That's amazing. Yeah. And and they're not even paying us. Um, if you want to <laughs> no. find any of us on uh, Twitter, you can find me, Stu, at StuPX. Tom is at TomKing89. And Chris is at TNMChris. Talk Indeed. to us. We're all quite nice. Yeah, Relatively. Mostly. Depends on the topic. <laughs> <laughs> so that about... Wraps it up for this week, doesn't it, guys? It yeah, does. I think so. So we will say goodbye. We will see you some point between now and Baku. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Bye-bye. See Bye-bye. you in Baku. Bye bye. <laughs>